Yesterday I had a privilege of going to a graduation party over at the uh, Davis house. I just like Rowan. Oh, yeah, Davis. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And I'm also all uh, amazed, and it just shows me, it's like how young you guys all are in your graduating. It's like, wow, really? And it was a lot of fun, and uh, I got to talk to a lot of them about their hopes and their dreams and where they want to go and their gifts and their abilities. And, boy, some of them just had some wonderful, great ideas of where their lives are going to uh, ensue from here. And so it was, it was very encouraging. Glad I got to go. It was fun to hear them. For this month, we're going to talk about that, uh, about the word gifted. A lot of these young people have some abilities and some gifts that God has given them. Uh, gifted. When you think of the word gifted, you might think of, like, usually in our world, we think of gifted being exceptional. We have gifted programs for children that are like child prodigies. And we might think of that as gifted. We also might think of uh, people that are stars on the stage and we admire all of their abilities and like, wow, they're gifted. Or maybe someone in your environment that they have a skill that you wish you had and they say, wow, they're so gifted. And we tend to elevate the idea of someone's gifted as somehow uh, a little better than, than the rest of us. They're gifted. But when scripture talks about gifted, it means it says we're all gifted. We all have abilities. We all have skills. We all have things that first we're born with, right? And some of it we, um, the Holy Spirit gives us. And that's what we're going to talk about for this month, how the Holy Spirit actually gives us some abilities that we cannot do on our own. But all of you are good at something, right? How many can think of something that you're good at right now? How many don't like sharing what you're good at? You're not raising your hands right now, right? Yeah. Well, I'd like you to think about what, what's a, a thing that you're kind of good at, you're kind of good at. Think of, yeah, I'm kind of good at. We're, we're not so uh, adept at saying what we're good at with someone else. So I'd like you to say hello to somebody next to you and say just one word that you think your ability or you have a gift at. So would you all just talk to each other a little bit? If you don't know somebody that around you, feel free to talk to them. What is that you are gifted at and tell them your name? Well, uh, some of us are really good at talking about our gifts, and some of you, I noticed that you're gifted at, at talking, um, and we're all gifted at something. Some of you are good about that, and some of you, that's a little bit hard for you to admit what you're good at, but we all are gifted at something, and the Bible calls us that. It says you're gifted, which is different than maybe an innate ability. A gift is something you receive that you really don't take credit for, but you thank God for our theme scripture is uh, 1 Peter 4.10. God has given each of you a gift in his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you believe God has given you special abilities unique to you? Maybe not just for your own self, but to share with the world or the people around you. God has given you those unique abilities. God has given you abilities. And what you do with those abilities shows something about yourself, doesn't it? It shows who you are because I want to use them in a certain way. Being gifted, I started thinking about what, how could I talk about being gifted? Where do we start? I think a good place to start is to start with the heart, to start with where your heart is at before we get into it. So today I'm going to, we're going to, I'm going to have my daughter, Jessica, read a scripture. And it doesn't really address gifting as much as it addresses the heart. 
So what I'd like you to think about is the heart. That's the thing that motivates you. That's where your desires reside. And so in this scripture today, there are uh, three disciples or apostles, Philip, James, and Philip, John, and Peter, and, and they have some desires. Listen to the desires they have. It's not overt, but if you pay attention, they have some desires. And then there's another man in this story. His name is Simon, and his desires are very different than the apostles' desires. Listen to them, because from our hearts, that's where all of our our, our giftings come from. So that's today. We're going to talk about the heart. Next week, we're going to talk about our hands. In a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the head, head, heart, hands. So Jessica, would you read this scripture for us this morning? This is from Acts 8, 4 through 25. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. A man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazed amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. They listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. But now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went, and he was amazed by the signs and great miracles Philip performed. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that people in Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come down upon any of them, and they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Philip and Oh, sorry, Peter and John laid their hands on these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts, for I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. Pray to the Lord for me, Simon exclaimed, that these terrible things you've said won't happen to me. After testifying and preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, and they stopped in many Samaritan villages along the way to preach the good news. Thank you. That's a real study in contrast of desires. One is motivated by God and the Holy Spirit. The other one had some ulterior motives that, that were part of them. I, I, uh, I've, I talked about the importance of serving and using our abilities to serve a few months ago. I talked to one of our members this week and uh, said, you know, we're all, God's called us all to serve and to serve each other and, and find our gifts and abilities and serve one another. And uh, this member left church, and she goes, well, what can I do? I'm not going to sing up there, and I don't think they, they don't, kind of like, I don't think they have any place for me to serve here. And she was uh, maybe not 
you know, like, what am I supposed to do? So she just prayed. Maybe she did the smartest thing she could do. She just prayed and said, Lord, what can I do? On her way home, she was stopping at a stop sign. And, and the person at the stop sign was, was not moving. And like any good member of the church, she beeped her horn. Well, maybe not. She beeped her horn. Come on, let's move. The lady who was in the car in front of her got out of the car and <clears throat> went and, and she was immediately weeping. Not a good feel for somebody who just came from church. But she came out weeping and she says, she's talking about her problems in her life and I just can't get my car to work. She said, listen, it'll be fine. So she went back, as a member of our church went back, uh, put on the flashers of her car so everybody knew there was a problem because this lady's uh, car had died. That's why she wasn't able to put her flat flashers on. And she just prayed, God, use me. Interesting. And so from her stopping and putting on her flashers on her car, people started to gather around and realize there was a problem. And they started talking to the lady, consoling her. And then one man came up opened up her hood, figured out what was wrong, got it fixed, and she moved on. So on the way home, our dear member went away saying, oh, I see, Lord. All I had to do was pray. I thought that I couldn't figure out a way to be used of God. A lot of times we can't figure it out. Interesting, she said later that same week, she was driving down the street, and she saw a lady struggling with two bags of groceries. Just bearing underneath that. Again, because her heart was prompted and she prayed, she pulled over and says, can I help you? She says, oh, thank you so much. These groceries are so heavy. She had her get in the car. She drove her home. And again, she went away. Wow, God can surely use me. You're all gifted. When you're prompted by the Holy Spirit, it's amazing what shows up in your life that how God could use you. Do you believe that God can use you also? It does begin with the heart. This member of our church, her heart had to be in the right place, or she might not have noticed, especially the lady with the, the groceries, she might not have had the right disposition to see, oh, this was a God moment that God had put in her heart. But if you notice specifically about this man named Simon, that his heart was not right, and, and Peter called him out on it. First of all, he was, he was noted, like they said, well, this is the great voice of God. Now, maybe that doesn't appeal to you, but if, if people were continually uh, lauding your good gifts and saying how gifted you are, it, ha it could have a tendency to go to your head. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen where people are continually getting credit for things in their life and it goes to their head? If you're paying attention to the media, you've probably seen that. And it's a, ten, it, 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 it's a little, little addictive. Maybe you think you're not, you're not prone to it, but when you get a sense of power and when you get a sense of you can control some things, you can think it's all about you, and it could go to your head, and that's exactly what happened to Simon. People were boasting around him, and apparently he had some kind of ability because people were saying he's got some kind of magical ability. I don't know what it was. We think of, when I think of magic, I think of, you know, when I was 12, I loved to do magic tricks on my sisters or the neighborhood, and, and there was always a gimmick to it. But these people, this wasn't about a gimmick. They actually attributed whatever he was doing to something supernatural. And then uh, Simon saw something authentic. It was the authentic work of God, 
And he was astonished. I can imagine you would too. If you saw someone going and touching people and they were being healed, and then what? Some people have some kind of oppressive demonic thing and they run away and the, the screaming, that would catch your attention. And he looked at them and he was amazed that the Spirit of God rested on these two, Philip first and then Peter and John. And he wanted to get in on the action too, so he got baptized and he followed them around. And then something else happened. He saw them lay their hands on people and they prayed for them. And then the Holy Spirit came upon them and everybody knew there was something supernatural that happened. In our world, we've kind of dismissed the supernatural. We like the magical. If you watch a lot of the media right now and TV movies, we like the magical part, right? But the supernatural, uh, we're, we're kind of like, we're beyond that now. We've grown up. We're, we're, we're in our heads now. But interesting that people have this, still this kind of a longing for something magical. But the Holy Spirit doesn't work that way. The Holy Spirit's not spooky. He's not mystical in a way that's creepy. The Holy Spirit works for the good of people. And this is what was happening, and, and, and he wanted that. Give me that power. Now, you may not see yourself that, but wouldn't you want to have the ability to really help other people? If, if somebody would just lay their hands on you and pray for you, that you had the ability and you'd see something change? Many people who are believers wish they would see spiritual change in people. And maybe you've even prayed or wished that you could be that one. And maybe if I just say the right words, maybe I need to go into that hospital room. If I could, maybe I don't have enough faith. But Simon's motivation wasn't that. Simon's motivation was other than that. It seems innocent on the outset. But Peter called him out and he said, you can have no part of this for your heart is not right with God. Something about Peter, he could see right into him. And he said, because he, uh, he offered them money. That was a good clue, right? Give, I'm gonna get, I'll, give, I'll pay you some money, and then you can give me that gift. And he says, may your money perish with you. And that might seem a little odd to you that someone would attach money with spiritual things. But throughout church history, there have been times where people have looked at what we call relics and thought they had supernatural part, uh, powers. Like maybe um, a, uh, a part of the cross, people thought this, this, this has some magical power or, or a bone of, some, uh, of, of one of the disciples. And interesting, if you study it, they would actually get these relics and they would bring them to a certain chapel and it somehow would give that chapel greater esteem in the community. And people would go, wow, let's go because they've got the bone of St. Peter's left knuckle or something. Seems weird to us today. <laughs> Some, someone come up, hey, want to buy a relic? <laughs> I got the hair of Pope Pius II. It's really supercharged. It seems silly to us, but interesting in spiritual, uh, in, in, the, in the church that even happens. And some people attribute even today uh, miraculous things, even maybe the cross around their neck, like it's some kind of supernatural um, good luck charm. That's magical. That's not exactly what the Holy Spirit does. Peter rebukes him for his bitterness. How did he know? 
How did he know he was bitterness? He was envious. But somehow God gave Peter the insight that there was some bitterness in his life. Bitterness happens when somebody takes something from you that's precious and you resent them for it. We've all probably had some opportunities to be bitter if we choose to, where someone hurts us so deeply and they take something from us and the next step can be a sense of bitterness. Bitterness is when we, we resent someone else. We, we, want, we actually like to maybe even cause them some harm. Uh, someone said you know, bitterness is a poison that we want to infer on, or incur on someone else, but it only poisons ourselves. I, don't, I know I've been tempted by that from time to time, but I'm thinking, well, bitterness. Well, any time I start resenting that someone else has something over me, it can be that opportunity, right? So that's what was wrong with this man. Simon did not repent. Did you notice? He said, pray that this thing not happen to me. He didn't ask for forgiveness because that's what the Lord begins every movement of spiritual life in us. The foundation of our Christian life is that we're forgiven. The first thing, the response is, I'm forgiven. God has forgiven me. And from that, out of gratefulness for what Jesus has done, then he can serve. Well, what can we learn from this? What, what, what can we learn about being gifted from this? First of all, God is the one who's the author of the gifts, and he gives each one of you his gift of his Holy Spirit. We may not be aware all the time of the work of the Holy Spirit. Some of, us, some of us may feel something when the Holy Spirit is present, and sometimes we may not. But it's not about us, is it? It's not about whether I felt something or not. But the Holy Spirit is for all of us. It's not odd or other. Here's, a, here's a, maybe an example. Um, you can tell when it's of the Holy Spirit when something does, somebody does something out of love and concern for another human being. You can tell when somebody, when it's not of the Holy Spirit, when someone does something and it's all about them and what they can get out of it. The Holy Spirit is life-giving. Anything else is, that takes life away would not be from God's Holy Spirit. He gives us the Spirit. What about this thing about laying on the hands? Some of you were with us last week and we prayed for people and we laid hands on people to pray for them. Not because there's something magical in these hands. It's because the Bible says that's what we're supposed to do, that there's something about laying on the hands. Where did that come from? Well, throughout the Bible, oftentimes people would pray for or bless other people by the laying on the hands. Fathers would bless their children by laying their hands on them and proclaiming, uh, proclaiming a blessing over them. Maybe that's something that's lost today, that mothers and fathers could lay their hands on their children and proclaim something positive about their future. They would do that. What they would name their children and what they say about them would, would be proclaiming something positive about their future. Fathers, in, uh, specifically in the, in the Bible, would lay their hands on their children and bless them. Priests would lay their hands on kings. People would be anointed or separated for a specific job or opportunity that would be unique to them. Paul reminded a young pastor of this when he said to Timothy, I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of hands. It was usually someone in authority 
praying for and blessing, and somehow the Holy Spirit was being moved or transferred in that moment. See, the Holy Spirit is a gift. We receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. Last, if some of you want to know, like, what does he believe about the gift of the Holy Spirit and how to receive it? That was last week's message. Go online. I'd love to explain that to you uh, or have it explained to you there. <clears throat> but the gifts of the Spirit come from the Spirit. When you receive the Lord into your life, you have some of the Holy Spirit in you. And then he, the, from the Spirit, he gives you gifts. And he motivates us. What did Peter and John desire? They desired the gift, the life, gift of life of the Holy Spirit to someone else. That they are encouraged by that. Peter and John were motivated by a desire for everyone to have the same kind of gift. What I find that is when, when you and I serve, sometimes we can have competing motives. Sometimes, to tell the truth, we're just tired, right? It's like, I just, I know I'm gifted. I know I'm, I'm up. I should really help. But sometimes I'm just tired. Sometimes I'm discouraged. And sometimes when it tells the truth, I just don't want to. I just don't want to. But that's when we can rely on the Holy Spirit and his strength and his ability. There's a book that's called um, How Full Is Your Bucket? Anybody read that before? How Full Is Your Bucket? It's a great little book about basically positive psychology. It basically says we all have a bucket that we need to give full, our emotional bucket, <clears throat> the part of us that, that, we, that we draw from every day. When we draw from that and we're empty, we don't behave very well. When we're full, we tend to behave well. Anybody know what it's like to have your bucket depleted and you find yourself not behaving well? Everyone know what it's like to have your bucket full and you find yourself doing much better? The same thing that maybe bugged you last week doesn't bug you because your bucket's full. But not only do you have a bucket, you have a dipper. <laughs> when you dip out of your bucket and pour into someone else's bucket, so these psychologists say both of your buckets are full. But when you go and you're dipping from theirs, and you're taking from theirs, then you've depleted their bucket and you've depleted yourself. Somehow in the giving of your gift, both of you are filled. Both of you are fine that you're encouraged and strengthened. If you've ever had the opportunity to do something you knew that was unselfish, Maybe it costs a little bit. Maybe it was a little uncomfortable. But if you've ever had that opportunity, you feel so good because you were able to give a gift to someone else and they were able to receive it and you were both strengthened by that. Sometimes I think when I use my gift, I'm going to be depleted. But I know I've had opportunities and maybe you have to when you're tired. And you don't feel like it. And you give anyway. And it gives and it blesses another person. And then both of you are encouraged by that. And it picks you out of the funk that you were in. You're all gifted. The resource that we have as Christians is God's Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it's the very love of God alive in us that we can pull from and say, Holy Spirit, help me. How many times that I've prayed and Christians have prayed, Lord, in this moment, I need you to have the resource to be able to use my abilities for someone else because I don't have it right now. I don't have the resources. to. I can't figure it out. 
I can't bully my way through. I don't really know how I'm supposed to use my gifts and abilities, but I am going to depend on you. It's as simple as a prayer. As this member I told you of earlier, she just simply, she had the desire. She had the right desires. It wasn't selfish. She had the desire and said, Lord, would you help me? She went away like a little frustrated. Would you help me? Can I serve someone? And God opened up an opportunity and let her know, yeah, I can use you. It might not be something that anybody gave you uh, applaud for, but there it is. The Bible says in us all, we have competing motives. We have parts of us that we know, if we're honest, we're very selfish, and part of us that are really caring. The Bible calls these two things the sinful nature or the spirit. You're either operating in the spirit or you're operating from your sinful nature, or the word is called the flesh. The flesh is whenever we do things that are only about us. The spirit is when we do things that are of God. The apostle Paul says it this way in Romans 8. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, mainly selfish things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But get this. Letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. See, the Holy Spirit is not magic. It is supernatural, but it's not spooky. It's not different. It's not you. If you've ever sensed the love of God, that is the Holy Spirit working in you. It's not about us. It's about him. Because anytime I serve and it's about me, the Apostle Paul says, it's like a clanging gong or a, a noisy cymbal. It makes a lot of ruckus and calls attention to me, but not to Jesus. Simon's desires were all wrong. It's not about my gain, but it's how I can be used of others. And God can use me in ways that I can't do. Wow, super. Maybe you were like me when you were a kid that you imagined yourself being a superhero. Superman, Batman, the Black Panther, Wonder Woman. I don't know. Anybody? Yeah, I know one. We all know those characters are not real. But there's something in every kid that wants to have superpower to some degree. At one time, this shows you my bizarre thinking, I wished I had my own flying saucer. So I could get in the flying saucer in the middle of the night when my parents were sleeping and get in my flying saucer and visit all of my friends. Fly right up to their window, knock and say, hey, it's me. That's magical thinking, right? Some of us, if we're honest, wish we could still do that. You could fly across the world and change. We still are fascinated by that. We just know that's, that's magical. God's not a magician. What he does isn't magic because the magician is in control of what they do, right? They make it happen, and it's about them being in control. And that is really the motivation for superheroes. It's like we want to be in control. We want to be more powerful than uh, usually in, in the popular movies, the bad guys out there or the bullies in school. But that's not the way God works. It's not about my power. It's not about me. It's about him, what the Holy Spirit wants to do. The Holy Spirit's power is not a power to impress you. It's not about self-serving. It's not about looking at what I can do. I wonder sometimes if we're more impressed by people who bring attention to themselves 
than to really caring about. We love to uh, maybe in our culture lift up people that um, that it's all about them. I don't know. Maybe it's we live through their lives. We lift them up and it's like, wow, look at them. They're so stinking selfish and rich and popular. Boy, look at them. And we applaud them. See, God does things opposite. He esteems, as the disciples know, the greatest people, the people that really learn to serve from the heart, from the that, that, that's where the Holy Spirit works. You see, God gives us his spirit. And out of his spirit, he gives you abilities. And I can rely on I have my natural abilities, but there's also God-given supernatural abilities that God gives us. In the Old Testament, it talks about that, that we all have abilities. I'm going to give you an example in a minute. But I came across this word. I think it fits. It's called super added. The gift of the spirit was super added. Super added is to add something, especially in a way that compounds the effect. If you add it to something that already exists, it compounds the effect. You all have natural gifts in here. But when the Holy Spirit comes, it's super added. He gives you an ability to do something even with your natural gifts that you could not do yourselves. In the early uh, early, uh, part of the Bible, when they were looking at uh, building a temple or a tabernacle to God, the Holy Spirit came on one individual, and his name was Bezalel, son of Uri, and it says this in Exodus uh, 31, 2 through 4. Look, I've specifically chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur, as the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God. For what reason? Giving him great wisdom and ability and expertise of all kinds of crafts. He is a master craftsman, expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. Do you think the Holy Spirit can use you as you teach school, as you're on the typewriter this week, as you're building things, whatever you do during the week? He says that it's just the everyday things that needed to be done that the Holy Spirit took his regular ability but gave him something beyond what he could do by himself. Sometimes I wonder if any of you do projects, you know, stuff around here. And, and you go past the time when you know you should be working on the project. Do you know what that's like? You go, I just need to finish the project, and you keep going. And then you have to go back and do it again because you were tired and you did it incorrectly. Sometimes I wonder, Lord, I should have backed up, had a little prayer, and he said, time out. Don't do this. We all have a tendency to, be, uh, to keep the momentum going someplace and ask the Holy Spirit. So I mean, it seems quirky, but I'll tell you this quirky story. So we're living with my mother-in-law right now. And uh, Pam said we'd be nice if we had our own refrigerator because her refrigerator is full and she's very particular about it. So um, I thought, well, we'll get a refrigerator. So I started looking and I went to Craigslist and I got all excited about the perfect refrigerator. Someone was going to deliver it to our house and be the right uh, the right thing that we needed. And then I had a check in my spirit because I've done this before where I've pushed packs. I, I got so excited about an idea. Just keep going, right? You've done that. Just keep going. And then you go, I, why? I should have thought about this. And I could give you those stories too, but maybe I got a little pride in me today. I don't want to share that. I don't know. But I had a check in my spirit and I texted the person back and I said, no, we decided not to. It just, it just, when I stopped and I prayed about it, it just didn't feel right. And I go, what is that? Well, I, it, it, it's my conscience, but the Holy Spirit was giving me a check in my spirit that in this very practical thing, 
that maybe you should stand back and let the Holy Spirit just do it, and we'll trust he'll, he'll work it out. See, we all have our natural abilities. Those are the abilities you're born with. Those are the things you learn as a skill. Those are the things that everybody has. But the Spirit's ability are given by God, that everybody can have them, but they're ones that, are, that actually God grows in you. This is a little different than our natural ability. And even as believers, I sometimes I think we're unaware that the Holy Spirit wants to give us abilities that we may not yet have, that will be a, a real help to someone else, that will be a real blessing, that it's even beyond my own natural abilities. Serving in the power of the Spirit gives what we cannot give by our own human means, the very life of God flowing through me. Because there's some things that you and I can do, things that are helpful, things that are, are good. And we've all had the experience of being able to do those things in our own strength. But there's something different when prayerfully we step back and ask the Holy Spirit, help me to use my gifts so they'll bring life to someone else. Because I'm not a robot, and neither are you. And sometimes we can get caught up in our routines and almost like predictable, the same thing, the same way, all the time. And we need to stop and say, Holy Spirit, help me to give life to someone else and not just go on my own energy. This is what Christians believe, that when you have accepted Christ in your life, the Holy Spirit is in you. And you can draw from the Spirit to do things that you cannot do and cannot even maybe explain on your own energy. See, the Holy Spirit is a gift. We receive the Holy Spirit, and from the Holy Spirit, he gives us gifts. Every person in here had a diversity of abilities and, uh, that you could do. In the same way, there's a myriad of different ways that you can all serve the Lord. I believe that the church of Jesus Christ needs them all. If I hold back in using my gift, we're all poorer for it. If I decide I'm going to use my gifts to serve others, we're all richer for it. Because as I said a few times, none of us in this room have it all together. It seems surprising when you talk to people and you think, well, somebody here has got to have it all together. When I was a, 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 a newer Christian and I would look at people in the church and I thought, oh, Mrs. Peabody, she's got it together. She's a saint. She walks on water. And then as I got to know her, Mrs. Peabody had issues, too. She had a past. She had problems. She had some issues. I was like, what am I going to do with that? Nobody here has it together. We all have stuff. Some things maybe we like to do a little redo on. But when we're all using our gifts, we can have it together. Individually, you might not have it all together, but together we can have it all together. Right? My wife has very different gifts than I do. And my gifts are the right gifts, right? And her gifts. No, we tend to think that way sometimes. That because this is the way I'm wired, you should be wired. I, I said this in the class before. I said, some people have the gift of serving. How many have the gift of serving? It's love to serve. And what do we do if you have the gift of serving and the person next to you isn't serving? Why aren't you serving? They don't see it. Now, they maybe should be serving, but they don't get it. Yeah? So sometimes we look through the filter and think, everybody should be gifted like I'm gifted. But here's the thing. None of us have it all together but together we can have it all together if everybody's using their gifts and abilities to serve each other 
I am much more stronger for it because I don't have it all together. But with you, together, we can have it all together. So here's two simple things I'd like to leave with you. How do you pull this off? Well, if, I, if you go back to the very story that I began with, when the woman left church and wondered, how could God use me? She, first of all, desired it. You have to have a desire for it. You have to have a, a longing for it. The Apostle Paul says, let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire special abilities the Spirit gives. You have to want it. You have to ask for it. And he will give you. He will direct you. It might, might not be as serendipitous as this, young, this lady's experience. It might. Sometimes we hear stories about other people, you know, and God had worked amazingly. You think, oh, it should work through me that way. Well, again, you're a, you have a different gifting and you have a different abilities. But pray and expect it. The second is you act on it. When you get a prompting from God, act on it. Or as I've said many times, act on every good thought. When you have a good thought, you know it's going to be a blessing to someone else. Act on it. Write that letter. Call that person. Bless them. That reminds me, I forgot to call my dad yesterday. Man. Oh, you thought I was had it all together, huh? No, I don't either. First desire it, then act on it. Here's what uh, Peter said in 1 Peter 4.10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them. Use them to serve one another. I think if Jesus was here and he said to us about our gifts and you have gifts and ability, he would say, use them. Use them. Don't compare yourself to someone else's gift. Don't excuse why you can't. Just use them. Pray, desire it. And look for ways to serve. You'll discover as you spend more time with the Lord, he'll give you the desire. He'll give you the ability. And he'll give you the strength. The question I have to ask myself and us together is, will I? Will I use whatever little gift I have? You might not think you're all gifted, but the Bible clearly says, and Jesus said, you know, even if you, even if you give a cup of water in my name, it's not going to be despised. Even a simple cup of water given to someone else can be a great gift. Because it is about the people. It is about what God wants to do amongst people. Coming along someone else, listening, hearing their story, and saying, how can I be a blessing to them with the gifts and abilities that I have? So the question I'm going to ask us is, as a church, will you join me? And, and let's, let's find ways that we can serve one another. First, desire it. Ask for it. And then act on it. Lord, what are you prompting me to do? I believe there's a huge joy that comes into your life and my life when we are rightly crafted by God and we use it to serve someone else. Because it's motivated not by my desires, because it's motivated by Jesus. Every follower of Jesus has a gift. And they usually partnered with someone else, by the way, with a different set of gifts to serve others. How could you be the presence of Jesus to someone else this week? How could we be filled with the presence of Jesus, be the source of others? If you could only sense how important your contribution is and what a difference you can make in this world, in this church, and in this community, and see the joy of it, I, I believe you would move in that direction. That every counter with another person may be a moment where the Spirit can give us life. Can we pray?